Rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep this podcast rolling. Keep this podcast rolling. Right. Cut that. Cut print. <laughs> okay. Yeek. Hello, hello. Today's episode is dedicated to one of my most requested topics therapy. I'm so excited to answer some, all, well, a lot of the questions you have emailed me, messaged me, or even stopped me in the street to ask me. I'll talk about my experience with therapy to give you insight on what to expect, how to find a therapist, tips on financing therapy, and a whole lot more. So what are we waiting for? Let's go. Hello, hello, it's time to talk about therapy. Let me tell you something. This episode's really important to me because it's something that I get asked about a lot. I want it to be impactful. I typed out more notes than I normally do. Very off the cuff. You probably know that by now. But this felt more important. So, I'm locked in a room with some printouts of my notes and some enlightenment nectar. <laughs> so here we go. Therapy 101. Let me tell you a little bit about my experience with therapy. As a child was definitely brought to some some family therapy was not that into it, obviously, because when you're brought to therapy, when you didn't ask to go, sometimes that doesn't work out. Sometimes it does. And when you're a kid, sometimes your parents know what's best for you. So I'm not blaming that on anyone. I'm just saying initially I wasn't that into it. I I feel like I mentioned in a past episode that um, it was a boyfriend of mine that suggested uh, I go to therapy out here in which he was trying to tell me I got to unload you onto somebody. I'm going to do it onto a therapist. And that was 20 something years ago. And that was talk therapy, kind of traditional talk therapy. So most of what I will talk about has to do with that. And it's the, um, the type of therapy I'm most familiar with. There are lots of types of therapies. I could do a whole other episode on that. I probably won't because it requires a lot of research, and I mostly like to do light research combined with my lifetime of hands-on research. I will say that I've obviously been to family therapy, like I said, couples therapy. We all know how that worked out. EMDR, which Future Gen will tell us a little bit more about that because I just realized I I didn't put it in my notes. Hi, it's future Jen coming in to help out my old friend, Jen Gotch. So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. EMDR is a non-traditional form of psychotherapy that was developed in the 90s in order to treat PTSD, which I'll tell you now so I don't have to future Jen on you again, is post-traumatic stress disorder. And essentially, It is meant to diminish negative emotions associated with memories of past traumatic events, 
big or small. The idea is that it can resolve some of these issues faster than talk therapy, eliminate certain triggers, and heal your brain in the same way that a physical wound heals. Our brains are actually prone to a state of good mental health on a physiological level, but sometimes that takes some retraining and some reframing of emotions. Definitely worth a deeper dive, especially if you've suffered major trauma and want to work to solve it. I went in for EMDR to try and eliminate two things. Some recurring catastrophic thoughts, like being murdered in a stairwell every day, as well as a continuous inner dialogue of self-loathing, both of which were causing me a lot of anxiety. I learned about mindfulness and different ways to engage with your thoughts that have helped me tremendously. Plus, it's pretty cool to find out about different methods available to fix your brain. Back to you, Jen Gotch. CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, which is something that I think has gained popularity, but not something that I have done and not, not something that I'm necessarily, I'm not, I'm not for and I'm not against. I'm a neutral party when it comes to that. CBD, on the other hand, I'm pro. That's cannabis. <laughs> oh, and food therapy. I hope you got a chance to listen to the emotional eating episode. I've heard it's very impactful for people. And most of that comes from what I learned at food therapy, which I only went once and it was super helpful. Now I'm going to tell you what to expect when you start therapy and give you some insight on what you'll need to bring to the table in order to reap the most rewards. I also outlined some of the benefits of therapy, just in case you're still on the fence about it. Spoiler alert. There are many. You can expect to talk about your feelings and explore your emotions. So you need to be prepared for that. You're going to be asked to examine patterns in your behaviors and reactions to certain situations and the hows and whys of those. Um, You can expect to discuss your past, your past experiences, even painful ones. And then you'll be guided through a process where you examine how those affect you now. Um, And you'll be asked to focus on your relationships, your past relationships, your present relationships, work relationships, romantic relationships, family relationships. So it's a lot. It's not just like, oh, well, obviously in your mental health. Come on, Jen. (laughs) That might be a big part of it. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of things. And as you can see, it's very personal and private and it doesn't work if you don't go in, um, with some level of comfort talking about those things. And that's why how you choose a therapist is important, which, which I will definitely talk about, you know, for me, how it's helped it. I mean, outside of just taking me from, a lump of mush on a couch that could not get up and function or figure out what, what I wanted to do with my life, how to deal with my mental illness, have any efficacy about anything. Actually, it also helped me build my self-awareness and my emotional intelligence was, which is something that I talk about all the time, right? Like how important that is and how much that it has helped me. And the thing with talk therapies specifically, but lots of therapies, is that it doesn't just help you while you're in the session, It and it doesn't just help you in between sessions, but even when you stop, you're 
you're so much more equipped to solve your own problems. And even for me, I have found that I'm able to help other people solve their problems due to the skills and the awareness and the intelligence that I built through years of therapy. So that doesn't mean that sometimes I don't need to go back and that doesn't mean that I am beyond needing help, but it does, it has given me the tools to solve a lot of things on my own. Um, so it's an investment too, because obviously we're going to talk about the financial aspect of therapy because that's, that's a huge issue, but it, it's an invest investment and not something that you could, you should just see as like, uh, a doctor's visit where they give you an antibiotic because you have an infection or something like that. It's, it's an ongoing thing. It's a process. It is not a quick fix, but it is a lasting fix that would, would be kind of difficult to undo. I'm sure that's possible. So yeah, it's hard. It takes time, dedication, and it will be very painful and uncomfortable. And if it is not painful and uncomfortable, you're probably not doing it right because it's going to unearth some stuff that you've buried because it's too traumatic or because you are too ashamed of it. And, and that may be something that has happened to you or something that you have done or just a, an emotion you feel that you're not comfortable with. But as you know, if you follow me or even just in listening to this episode, if you have the opportunity to, to get therapy, you should get it. That's me moving the papers because I'm like, how long have I been talking? Okay, let me have some of this uh, enlightenment nectar. It is so hot. I know I talk about it all the time, but we're traumatized here in Los Angeles because it's been unrelenting for longer than usual. And most of us here in the city do not have central air in our homes, which makes you very thirsty. Okay, the Q&A portion of this episode is upon us. I will be playing the role of both question asker and question answerer, but these questions are yours, I promise. Oh, and thank you again for all of them. There were a ton of great ones, which obviously makes me so excited. I've grouped them into a few categories, starting therapy, finding the right therapist, finding the wrong therapist, and breaking up with a therapist. Let's do this. You asked so many questions about it, so I'm going to start to answer them now. And I really hope this helps. It, I, I, mean, I sound like a broken record. I hope everything helps. But I know that this is on a lot of people's minds, and um, I'm excited to bring some clarity to it. So about starting therapy. So someone asked me, how do you know if you should see a therapist if you're not already diagnosed with a mental health issue? In my mind, if you're asking this question you should see a therapist. Um, I, like I, like I already said, I think everyone could use therapy, but you do have to want it for it to work. You know, you, you really have to truly want it. It's not something you go into passively, but if you're, if you're like, I, if you're starting to ask yourself about therapy, then I, then it's a good chance that you could use it. And, and I don't think I said this before, but like, you don't have to suffer from depression to, to need or want therapy. Like you don't have to be suffering from a mental illness. 
you may have a, a mental health issue. You may be traumatized by something. You may just be stuck or lost and just need guidance. And um, therapy is a great way to do it. Lots of questions about how to, what helped me choose a therapist. How do you know if you found the right therapist? What are some good questions to ask when you do a consultation with a therapist? Here's the thing. It, therapy is a lot like dating, but you shouldn't have sex with your therapist. <laughs> I think that goes without saying. You can have sex with people you're dating, but there is a level of int intimacy that that occurs between a patient and a therapist and you will you'll you're going to want to feel safe with that person relatively quickly. And so I think that there's lots of ways to go about finding a therapist. And then there's also things that you can do to kind of like prepare yourself for when you, you know, when you actually find one. So recommendation, I mean, I found, you know, I found my therapist through my boyfriend. It was, it wasn't his therapist. It was like a referral from his therapist. They shared an office. So that's a great way to do it. So recommendations from friends are a great way to do it. Now, should you go to your friend's therapist? Well, that depends. I mean, you're, you, the way you and your friend like to solve problems might be different. They might be the same. If your problem happens to be with your friend or if there's any overlap in that, I would avoid it. But you could always ask your friend's therapist for a referral to another therapist. And that's a very common thing to ask. And a, and a therapist wouldn't be insulted by that. I don't know any therapist that doesn't have other therapists that they can recommend. Sometimes a therapist is all booked up. There are also, like on Psychology Today, they have a find a therapist tool that can help. And then if you're local in California, I don't know if it's just Southern California, but there's a website called Advocate, A-D-V-E-K-I-T, that can also help you find a therapist. I feel like probably on um, NAMI, National Alliance for Mental Illness, you, you can find a therapist there. Honestly, you know, you, you'll find your referrals, but you have to talk to them. And most therapists will want like a 15 minute phone call with you before they actually make an appointment with you, which is great because, um, you should get some, some insight and like a vibe off of the conversation. But here's what I would say, be prepared to discuss with them what you want help with, whether it's a situation, a larger recurring issue, a mental health issue, an addiction. You need to be clear what you're looking for. And then you also need to be really comfortable asking them what their approach is to solving these sorts of problems. And if they think they can help with your specific problem, all of that is, is normal ground to cover and pay attention to their answers and how they answer it and see how that makes you feel. And assuming that it feels good enough, make an appointment and go see them. Now, everything I know about dating and about therapy is that you should see more than one. That sounds a little scary, obviously, because it's expensive. And like, ugh, I got lucky when I found one, how am I supposed to find three? I will say that I had seen one therapist before I went to the therapist that my boyfriend recommended, and I knew in one visit that this woman was not right for me. She did a lot of kind of 
guessing how I felt instead of trying to extract my feelings from me. And I knew that I didn't want that. And um, my therapist that I ended up seeing, I just immediately was like her approach to things was what I needed. A very strong approach, a lot of conviction, kind of like a no bullshit attitude. But that's what I needed. I didn't want to be coddled. Not everybody likes that. So think about Think about what you're looking for ahead of time. Also, if you're dating, think about what you're looking for ahead of time. If you know what you want, it's easier to identify when you get what you want. If you're just like, I don't know, I just want something good, um, it makes it a lot harder. So that's one great way to prepare. Okay, finding time for therapy. How do you handle therapy and keep up with it in your modern busy life? I struggle in reaching out to a therapist out of the fear of knowing my life isn't very consistent and that it will be hard to maintain a schedule. Totally get it. I, it's only been recently that I've gone to any form of therapy while I have uh, like a traditional, uh, I'm going to say a traditional nine to five job, but that, that is a silly way to explain my job, but I'm not freelance. I was freelance. Well, first of all, when I started therapy, I didn't have a job. Then I became a freelancer. Then I started Bandeau. But the whole time, my, my schedule was pretty wacky. Therapists are cool with that. You know, if if you have a set schedule, you can have a standing appointment with a therapist. Sometimes therapists don't have standing appointments available, but you can kind of just find your way in each week. And that's often what I would do. You know, you can you can schedule you can schedule appointments and cancel them. You know, the the therapist will let you know whether it's like a twenty four or forty eight hour cancellation policy. And then people cancel on therapy all the time. So I don't think I've ever had an issue with scheduling a therapy appointment. I think it's just one of those things you get in where you fit in. They get it, you get it. I would absolutely not let that deter you. Money! So, we all know therapy is an expensive endeavor, but what you might not know is that there are some lower cost options and some free ones too. I'm going to share a few with you right now. Also, as a side note, if there is one thing you should spend your money on, it really should be your mental health because if you don't take care of that, physical health and all the other good things in life aren't attainable. Invest in yourself. You're worth it. Okay, well, the other part of this is the the whole finance question, the budget question. How am I supposed to afford this therapy is so, so, so expensive. If I'm being completely honest, my parents paid for my therapy. I'm not proud of that, but I am great, incredibly grateful for it. All of that said, even with my parents, um, I still asked if my doctor had a sliding scale, which she did. And so she was able to reduce her hourly rate, which I think at the time was 175 and I paid a hundred dollars an hour. And when I say I, I mean my parents. So that for example, is one thing you can do. You can ask, do you, do you do a sliding scale? Do you do adjusted rates? Do you do any pro bono work? A lot of therapists do. Um, the more established ones sometimes don't, but sometimes those are the ones that do. So you don't have to just assume that you're going to get an inexperienced therapist. And those are the only people that are going to do it at a discount. It really varies from therapist to therapist, but definitely not something you should be afraid to ask. And also something you 
should absolutely discuss on your initial call. How much does it cost and is there any flexibility in that rate? None of that is weird to ask, I promise. And I get so weirded out about asking questions. I would never steer you wrong. You know, the other thing is there's group therapy and support groups that are oftentimes free. And listen, you know, sometimes discussing those things in a group is is more difficult for sure. But if that's your only access and you just don't have any money and you are having trouble finding, you know, someone who's willing to do pro, pro bono work, that's a great place to try it. Community centers often have things. Graduate schools or teaching hospitals will sometimes have um, free therapy or reduced rate therapy. I know there's an app. I haven't used it, but it's called Talkspace. Um, and I'm not completely clear on the rates, but that's. But I do think that that's a less expensive. I mean, usually I would say therapy now is probably on average 150 an hour. If you have insurance, you should absolutely call and ask them what the deal is because how complicated is insurance like why don't you take a semester of insurance in college it's like why did i take a 18th century art history it doesn't hasn't helped me at all i wish somebody could have taught me about insurance because i certainly don't understand it but um you, they will explain it to you so you can call and ask i told you that nami has tools for that so that's another great place i mean your place of worship I don't know. I think that I, I feel like that's, that's a real possibility too. You know, the other thing that I will say before I get off the topic of, of finances, and I hope that, I hope that was, um, educational. <laughs> that's not the right word, but we know how I, we know how I go with words when I'm hot. You might want to look at what you're doing with your money right now, because I would be surprised to to find out that you had looked through everything you're doing and there wasn't something in there that was either self-destructive behavior or some form of self-medicating whether it's like shopping or you know coffee every day or like drinking and I wonder if you pulled some of that money together and rerouted it towards therapy if it if it might be more impactful okay so you found a therapist you, you've you've gotten all the referrals, you've figured out how you're going to pay for it, you're seeing them, you're talking about your emotions, you're talking about your experiences and your behaviors and your reactions and you're correcting them and you're talking about your relationships and you're talking about your anxiety and you, and everything is going great until it's not going great anymore. So there's been some questions on like moving on from therapy. So how do you break up with a therapist? Have you ever decided to leave a therapist? How do you know when you're done with therapy? How do you stop seeing a therapist? Well, here, you know, for me, lots of different, lots of different reasons. I, I have stopped therapy many times man, sometimes I just couldn't afford to go because eventually I took over for my parents and, and uh, sometimes I couldn't afford to go or, you know, I had $100 and it, it at times felt self-indulgent. Like I felt okay and I didn't feel in crisis and I felt like I had worked through a lot of stuff. So sometimes I stopped going for that reason. Sometimes I got too busy on a job, you know, 
you know, sometimes if you're freelance, you might have like a one or two month job that doesn't allow you at all for time to go to therapy. Again, if you're in crisis, I think you figure it out. But there's a point in therapy where you're, you know, working through some things that if it if it doesn't happen this month, that, you know, the bottom's not going to fall out. And then there were times where, you know, maybe I had gone for several years and it just, I didn't feel like I was getting this, the same impact, the same bang for the buck, you know? So, it, so it, again, it is like dating, you know, I think when you get to a place where you find yourself having kind of the same conversations over and over again with your therapist or, um, you just don't leave with that feeling of being satisfied or it, it just, the connection doesn't feel as strong. All of that can totally happen because like at the end of the day, you're both people. The one thing you have to remember is you're responsible. It, you are very, very, you might even be more than 50% responsible in this relationship for making it work. Um, you have to, you have to bring your whole self to it. You have to be engaged and you have to know what you want from every appointment. And that doesn't mean you have to have a list. Although a lot of times I, I did come with a list. Um, sometimes your therapist might give you, you know, quote unquote homework and you'll know that they're going to have an expectation from you. But I know for me, if I, you know, if I felt like I had the same appointment twice, like if two weeks in a row I went and I felt like, man, we're talking about the same things and we're not resolving it and it doesn't feel like I'm moving forward. It doesn't necessarily feel like I'm moving backward, but I just feel like I'm talking and I don't want to pay to talk. I want to pay to solve. I would look at that closely and I would say something, you know, that being said, in and amongst the years and years I went, there were certainly some appointments that just weren't great. You know, that still happens to me now with any of the therapy I go to. They're not all 100%, but you'll know. If therapy is really working, you'll know when it's not working. If you never get that feeling of like, like you should feel, you know, some electricity or vibration in your body, like big things are being solved. So if you're not feeling that, it, just in the same way that you would feel chemistry on a date, like you're probably just seeing the wrong therapist. But if you've seen a therapist for a long time and you're wondering, like, do I stop? I would pay attention to those cues. And the thing is, is like the beauty of it is that it isn't like dating in that you'll, you're going to hurt their feelings. Like they're there for you. They're, they're there to advocate for you, to, to guide you, to bring you to your own conclusions. And, when you're done, you're done. And you can, you can, the beauty of this is this is a relationship that you can be open and honest and tell that person exactly how you feel. And there really won't be negative ramifications for that. There should not be. That's not the way that this works. So embrace that. And, and actually that's something that you could take into your life outside of therapy. So, um, so yeah, don't be afraid to say, hey, I need to take a break or hey, I think I'm going to move on. It's okay. It wouldn't be the first time that any therapist had ever heard that and they'll be fine. You have to do what's right for you. So that's it. We did it. Uh, I'm sure someone, uh, someone who sounds just like me but is much smarter and is in air-conditioned space is going to come and clean this up a little bit. And I'm really hoping to put some links on Girlboss girlboss.com 
so you can read some articles that I found as I was kind of peeking around to make sure that my advice was sound advice. It turns out it is. I hope that you get the help you need. I hope this this brought you a, a bigger understanding for what therapy is. And I'm going to stop talking now so that future Jen and studio Jen and after show Jen can come in and make this even better. Thank you so much for listening. Are we best friends? We are, right? Cool. I'm so glad I got to share some of my experiences with you on this topic, and I hope it demystified it a bit. Next week, I'll talk about social media and mental health and offer up a plan about how we can still engage with it, because it is very fun, but not fall victim to many of its drawbacks, which are not as fun. So meet me back here on Tuesday, and in the meantime, have a really, 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 really good week. Bye. What do you know about the after show? That sounds out of whack. (laughs) Let me try it again. What do you know about the after show? It's the JGOK after show. You don't know about the after show, but it's the show after the show after the show after the show. Sometimes I think that this song doesn't make sense anymore, and I feel like I originally sang it a little bit differently, but I don't know if it's worth changing. I know that I recorded my parents singing a version of it, which... I'll surprise you with soon, except for it won't be a surprise because I just told you about it. But anyways, I'll wait till you forgot about it and then I'll tell you again. I don't have a comment on this episode. What I'd like to tell you is I have a mustache and I've had it for a long time and it's blonde and beautiful. And as I've gotten older, I even have a few hairs that grow really long and sometimes I don't want to pluck them out. I want to see how long they'll grow and they're fun to play with. And I just wanted to tell you that because I think a lot of us out there have these things and we are ashamed of them. And I wanted you to know that if you meet me in person and you see my beautiful thick mustache, it's not an oversight on my part. I'm keeping it because I like it. And that's all I wanted to tell you. Goodbye.